Welcome to the Painless Podcast. It's Chris Hartwick from Painless Networking here. Check out www.painless.network for more on taking the pain out of networking, including an event coming up on September 20th. The idea behind the Painless Podcast is simple. Let's connect with good human beings. We're in and around the sports and event marketing industry, and we're not going to just get sound bites, but smart, interesting, generous people who will share with us how and why they've reached the success they've had and how and why networking and mentoring have shaped their careers. Now, one quick sec before we learn more about Scott Paddock and Chicagoland Speedway and the upcoming NASCAR event in Joliet, NCSA sponsors today's podcast. They're the world's largest and most successful collegiate athletic recruiting network. A team of over 600 plus former college coaches and athletes have helped tens of thousands of college bound student athletes connect with college coaches every single year. A tech company with a sports mindset, NCSA emphasizes the importance of their staff team and has been recognized for culture initiatives, benefits, and workplace environment, winning numerous awards, including Fortune's 50 Best Companies to Work For, and Chicago Magazine's Best and Brightest Companies to Work For, to name a few. If you're interested in joining the NCSA team and helping student-athletes connect with college coaches and opportunities, visit the NCSA Careers webpage at www.ncsasports.org slash who-is-ncsa slash jobs slash careers. Now, if you didn't get that, you'll find the link in the podcast description. Oh, and check out Painless Pod number 15 with Lisa Strassman, NCSA's president, for her firsthand take on NCSA's work and their terrific culture. A second thanks goes out to Spikeball. Do you know Spikeball Nationals are coming to Chicago on October 14th? Well, listen to Painless Pod number four with Chris Reuter, their CEO, if you haven't already, and find out more about this great company and game that's blowing up nationwide. For a limited time, Spikeball has created a special offer just for Painless members and podcast listeners. Save 50% on team registration with the code PAINLESS. Full link is in the pod description, or you can get there pretty easily via www.usaspikeball.com. And don't forget, the next Painless event is all set. Join us Wednesday, September 20th from 6 to 8 p.m. in Chicago at the new Brick House Tavern just outside Wrigley Field, a networking session as well as a great panel discussion around sports and tech, partnering with the great folks at Wise Chicago. Check the pod description for the event Sprout link. Get your tickets today. They're selling fast. All right, today's guest, Scott Paddock, president of Chicagoland Speedway. They're hosting the kickoff to NASCAR's playoffs next week, September 14th to 17th, including the Tales of the Turtles 400 Monster Cup race on the 17th at the Mile and a Half track in Joliet, Illinois. Scott's a former Notre Dame and professional basketball player overseas who went on to lead Gatorade's $120 million sports sports marketing team. Scott is a great guy who breaks down not only why the heck you should check out NASCAR if you aren't already a fan, but uh, has a bunch of great tips on working in sports. And I think you'll you'll definitely find his attitude and uh, suggestions very helpful. Connect with Chicagoland Speedway and see his volunteer and career opportunities that Scott talks about as well as all the info on the great 
fun upcoming events there at chicagolandspeedway.com. Scott is certainly active on LinkedIn. He's definitely a great networker and gives a lot of his time and uh, advice to folks. In addition to LinkedIn, you can also find him tweeting at Scott underscore Paddock. All right, enough of this guy yapping. Let's go. Recorded August 30th, Get Connected with Scott Paddock. From downtown Chicago, let's welcome to the Painless Podcast president of Chicagoland Speedway, Scott Paddock. Welcome, Scott. Hey, it's great to be on with you, Chris. Thanks for being here today. I know it's a super busy time right now with the race coming up in the very near future. So let's just dive in and and talk a little bit about uh, your role at the Speedway and and what all is going on in the next uh, few weeks going leading up to the September 14th through 17th weekend. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very fortunate to lead a very talented and hardworking team at Chicagoland Speedway and Route 66 Raceway. In addition to the NASCAR oval track at Chicagoland Speedway, we have a state-of-the-art drag strip and dirt track, uh, collectively referred to as Route 66 Raceway. So between April and pretty much through October, we'll have programming going on all weekend long. And I love to refer to our venues as sports and entertainment destinations versus just a motorsports facility because over the course of our almost 20-year history now, there's really nothing we haven't done, whether it's concerts, musical festivals, uh, endurance events, corporate training seminars. We've done snow cross you name it. We've done just about everything. Driving schools. Driving schools. Yeah, all kinds of stuff that people actually get to participate in. That, that's what's unique. We have uh, 1,300 acres of real estate and really unique and compelling infrastructure. Uh, very easy to access our facility from three major highways. So uh, I think a lot of companies and entities find it very uh, intriguing to to do events at our facility. How many events are there, uh, roughly at least, uh, over the course of the year? How many are there at the track, and what kind of things are you looking maybe to add going into the 2018 season? Yeah, over a hundred events, hmm. easily over a hundred events, and and you know the full range that we just alluded to, and and more. So, a couple of couple of winters we had uh, we. Built out, made artificial snow on our drag strip, and we had championship snowcross come out. So we've tried everything and had a lot of fun with it. And uh, we're looking to do more of that. You know, we want to diversify and grow our business. And again, our facilities and the unique infrastructure they contain enable us to do those types of things. So uh, we just procured four Chicago L cars, and mm-hmm. we're going to be using them to build. Uh, build uh, a unique uh, musical infrastructure to be able to do more concerts and things like that. So uh, we're looking forward to kind of expanding our, our breach. Yeah, I think that if you have not been out to uh, Chicagoland Speedway or a NASCAR track even, it's amazing how much, like you said, infrastructure truly is out there. Uh, what, what's the seating capacity at Chicagoland right now? Well, we're just under 60,000. And then in addition to that, we'll have about 10,000 campers coming out in a couple of weeks, another three to 5,000 in the suite. So, you know, we, we proudly refer to ourselves as the state of Illinois' largest single day spectator sporting event. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to welcome fans from all 50 countries and all 50 states and countries around the world uh, as we kick off NASCAR's playoffs here in a few short weeks for the seventh consecutive year. Yeah, that's right. That's the start of the Chase playoffs. Um, wh- what are they called this year now? You've got the Monster <laughs> Cup. Yeah, so now it's called uh, the Premier Series, formerly called Sprint Cup, is now the Monster Energy NASCAR mm-hmm. Cup Series. 
And uh, Monster has been a great addition to the series. You know, they have a much uh, a pretty young fan base. It's a pretty cool, edgy brand, and it's a good fit with our sport. For the second year in a row, we're going to welcome back Nickelodeon and their number one kids franchise, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So the Heroes in a Half Shell will be back in Joliet in a couple of weeks uh, as we kick off the as we culminate the weekend with the uh, Tales of the Turtles 400. That's the Monster Cup race on Sunday, the 17th of September, right? Right. I got my exactly. dates right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now the other thing too that, especially if you haven't been to a NASCAR weekend, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, so much stuff going on. You know what? There's there's how many different events that week too, because you're going to have you have truck series, right, and then you have Xfinity, and you have Monster, and then you've got qualifying across all those. Yes. How many times are different groups on the track? It's it's a four day weekend, and it'll start Thursday with the ARCA series, a developmental league under the lights, and then Friday we'll we'll have NASCAR Cup qualifying and the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Saturday the NASCAR Xfinity Series, a great way to see the up and coming future stars of the sport. And then it'll culminate with that playoff kickoff on Sunday with the Tales of the Turtles 400. Yeah, and the playoffs are the for non-NASCAR folks. That's the final 10 races. They've added that. You said, what is this, the seventh year? Seventh year. So 36 weeks of NASCAR uh, cup racing. The first 26 weeks are the regular season. And then we segue into a 10-week playoff in which we, we kick off that event uh, in Chicago. So uh, a huge honor for us. And as you can imagine... We drive tremendous economic impact to the region. We're very proud of that, the fact that fans come from all 50 states and they're spending money in our hotels, our restaurants here, enjoying our great tourism events and uh, spending a lot of their discretionary money right here in Chicago. What I've always found great about the, the NASCAR experience is how the fans really get right up close to the action, literally up close to the drivers and the cars during during practice and seeing him working in the garage and getting to be down in the pits. You can't find that. You're not down on the field at Soldier Field or Wrigley Field almost ever, let alone at the, the amount that are there. And basically, as the national anthem is going off, you're not standing next to a uh, the starting pitcher. It's got to also make for some crazy logistics of all the different types of tickets and security. But it really is an experiential event. And so, you know, what kind of thing, are there other things that have been added this year or things that have at least changed over the last few years that's made that even better? You've capitalized on those kinds of things? Well, you, you touched on a great point, Chris. When I talk to particularly a casual fan or a first-time fan, there's two points that I really want to emphasize that makes NASCAR so uniquely different across the sports landscape. Number one is the sense of community. NASCAR represents um, a slice of Americana. It is the quintessential American sport. And it brings every every weekend NASCAR goes into the communities that we live and work, and they bring the show, they bring the circus, the best stock car racers in the world come to these markets. And it's a it's a week-long celebration, and it brings people together from all walks of life. And um, you know, camping's such a big part of the weekend. And we will have fans that didn't know each other prior to yeah, their right. first experience at Chicagoland Speedway that became neighbors at a campsite, and now they've developed a lifelong friendship. So it's it's this wonderful sense of community and bringing people together, helping them to escape the daily pressures and stresses of life and come together and create some great lasting family memories. 
So the sense of community is special. The numbers, the second thing is the point you touch on, the access. We can get you inside the ropes and under the tent in this sport like no other. We can, and it's just part of the fabric of the sport. We can get you on the pits. We can get you into the garage area. Uh, fans actually will start the race by waving you know, the green flag to start yeah. the race. They will be in the driver's meeting as the drivers get their last set of instructions prior to getting on the track and driving 195 miles an hour. And that's, again, part of the uniqueness and fabric of the sport. It's like having a sideline pass and locker room access to Soldier Field for a Bears game, and you just don't see that in the NFL. Right, and then the game starts, or the in this case, the race starts, and you can have headsets on where you can hear the driver and the crew chief and the spotter all talking. And I don't think people, a lot of you know, non-racing fans, don't realize that as well. Yeah, you're not, you're certainly not he- sitting there with a headset on and hearing what. Uh, probably profanities are going back and forth between John Fox and his offensive or defensive coordinators, but it's, it would be a lot of fun if you could. Absolutely right. right. I mean, that's, that's a great point about part of the access. You can, you can, for a modest, you know, rental fee, you can purchase a headset and a scanner and you can listen in to the in-race communication between drivers and their respective crew chiefs in a very uncensored, I might add, uh, unscripted manner. And, and you know, you'll you'll prepare yourself. You'll you'll hear a little of everything uh, on that in car in, in in race audio. So that's again part of the access. But I, you know, I spent a good part of my career at Gatorade, and mm-hmm. we would bring some of our athlete endorsers to a race we sponsored in Daytona called the Gatorade Duel at Daytona. And I'll never forget, we would bring the likes of Mia Hamm and Peyton Manning inside the ropes at the race with the fans, and they were shocked and blown away by the access. And frankly, they were not too happy with it because (laughs) I remember Peyton viewed it, this is my office, Uh so to speak, and this is where I go to work, and I need to be ultimately focused, and, and I can't have distractions when I'm preparing an event. And juxtapose that to NASCAR, where literally two hours before a driver's going to get in a race car with 39 other professionals and drive nose-to-nose at 195 miles an hour, and they're out in a midway area doing participating question-and-answer sessions with fans and or signing autographs. You just don't see that in any other sport, but that's uniquely NASCAR. Oh, yeah. I, it, it always blew my mind that you're standing next to Jeff Gordon or Dale Earnhardt or Jimmy Johnson uh, who, who I, you know, the Hendrick drivers, for example, that everybody knows, and I had a little bit of chance to work with, and that they're they're there and shaking a hand with a sponsor, and then they put the helmet on and get in the car. I mean, you would not, like you said, you, de- uh, you know, heaven forbid, you try to talk to the starting pitcher on the, anywhere. Like you said, yeah. it could be six hours before the first pitch, and you get your head ripped off. So anyway, it's it, it, I'm I'm singing the praises because I, you know, I, I've been a converted as well. It's really great uh, as a fan, or and you know, understanding another way to communicate people of the brand, right? Yeah, and 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 it really has enhances the event experience. So a couple of years ago, we created an infield fan zone to bring fans closer to the action. They can they can be on the red carpet, and we almost do like an Oscar ceremony, emceed uh, event with the drivers processing into the driver's meeting to get their instructions before the race. You've got a front row for that. You can view what's going on in the garage area as the cars are going through tech inspection. You can get into victory lane for a picture with the event trophy mm-hmm. and the show car and all of those things. You can walk up and down the pits 
as the teams prepare and prep the pit area, you know, their quote-unquote sidelines for the race event. So imagine how much you enhance the fan and the guest experience when you're providing that as a backdrop before the race even starts. Yeah. And then you add all the pageantry around it. So we're going to have uh, country music superstar Josh Turner just had uh, number one hit hometown girl, hit uh, number one on the country charts. He will be doing a pre-race concert before the race the one and only the gold standard of national anthems, Jim Cornelson of oh, Chicago yes. Blackhawk fame, going to be singing out those famous lyrics with the national anthem, the flyover. So it, it, this event is really about that festival type of atmosphere, that pomp and circumstance, mm -hmm. the bigness of these marquee events. And, and that's kind of the entertainment value we're selling. Yeah, there's a lot there. It's good value. So now I think what's interesting, though, too, is looking – if we if we roll back the clock a little bit, I know you like you've mentioned already at Gatorade you were involved with NASCAR, but that's not what you grew up with, right? I mean, you were not in motorsports or car guy, uh, and people can't see this, but you're rather tall. What are you? Six seven? Six eight? Six eight? Okay, yeah. see, you got to give full credit. Six eight. And were you always playing hoops? You grew up playing. Did you, you play a bunch of different sports, or you know, how, how was that growing up? And you know, when was the transition? Yeah, you know, I, I played a lot of different sports growing up in South Florida, and South Florida was not really a big sports town. You know, there was no uh, Florida Marlins back then. There right. was no Miami Heat. There was no Florida Panthers. It was the Dolphins and the U, the Hurricanes, yeah. and that would that was it. But uh, I grew up. Uh, you know, playing sports. And, uh, you know, as I got taller and taller, uh, kind of migrated to basketball and, um, you know, was fortunate to uh, get a, an athletic scholarship to go to University of Notre Dame and uh, had a great four-year run there and uh, continued my career uh, playing professional basketball yep. for about six years, uh, primarily over in Europe. Uh, was a starter on the U.S. Uh, national team back in 1995 and won a silver medal through that experience in the Pan American Games. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, so, yeah, sports has always been part of um, who I am. It's inherent in who I am. And uh, and uh, so to be able to continue to scratch that itch by working and scratching the competitive itch of right. that that competitive itch that I have through the business of sport now is very gratifying. Did you? Uh, when did maybe was there a light that that went on? I, I might say that. Did you say in college you said I you know I, I just love this. I'm going to stick. I want to stick with sports. I want to go into working around teams or you know advertising or something like that. Or was it more uh, you know figured out later on that just that the opportunity was presented itself? You, did you start at a uh, kind of a sports marketing agency after you finished your playing career? I did. I was I was actually still playing basketball. So you know, I was having a great career, and uh, but but I, I watched my classmates from college. You know, they were getting well established in their professional careers. I was still playing basketball, so I knew I needed to get some practical business experience. So I called a friend. Uh, who was uh, a Notre Dame graduate who was running a sports marketing agency in Chicago called Sports Partners. And they were the promotional arm of a boutique advertising agency called Italia Advertising. And I said, hey, I, I would very much appreciate and welcome the opportunity to, to work for you. You don't have to pay me anything. Just put me to work. Let me help out. I'll do the grunt things. And um, so I, I did that. And after a couple of weeks, he felt guilty, and he finally started paying me <laughs> about $200 a week to cover meals and gas money and those kind of things. But, uh, you know, as, as most people in the sports industry start out, you start out doing a little of everything, mm -hmm. very humble beginnings, 
rolling up your sleeves, going to work. Uh, when you sign up for a career in sports, you're signing up for working long hours, working nights, working weekends. And um, fortunately, I, my parents instilled a very strong work ethic in me, and I continued that through my basketball career. But uh, yeah, did that for a couple of years, learned the advertising. Well, so I did that for a summer, and at the end of the summer, uh, my boss came to me and said, hey, would you consider staying on board? And I had been married for a year at the time. And while my wife enjoyed Europe, she was anxious to get started with her professional career. So we talked it out and decided maybe it was time to get started in in the real world, get a real job. So that's what I did. Went to work for the agency for a couple of years and learned advertising, learned promotion, retail marketing, and then got uh, really the opportunity of a lifetime to uh, go to work for Gatorade, arguably one of the preeminent and sexiest Brands in sports, you know, when you talk Nike, Under Armour, Gatorade, those are the brands with the cachet. And uh, spent the next 12 years there in a variety of marketing and sports marketing roles. And uh, when I left, before I came to the Speedway, I was running the sports marketing group and uh, overseeing the athlete portfolio. And that was a lot of fun, working with such world-class athletes, Usain Bolt and Derek Jeter and Peyton Manning and uh, those names. It was just a lot of fun Um, helping them build their brands through their connection to a powerful sports beverage like Gatorade and building the Gatorade brand through leveraging these unique athlete traits. And during that process, you know, a lot of folks listening, maybe looking to try to break in or, you know, figure out uh, uh, what's the next step for me of doing something in sports marketing and events and things like that. What, uh, you know, who did you fault to being an athlete, you know, kind of who was your coach or coaches and mentors as you were starting, obviously you used your network of the, and the Notre Dame network, which is very strong, finding that job. How did you pick people's brains? Not that you're not a very smart man, but to, to, you know, figure the stuff out that you didn't know what, you know, who, who, and what, was there any kind of good advice that folks gave you that's stuck with you? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to have, uh, a good mentor in Digger Phelps, my coach yeah, at Notre Dame, who really kind of talked about life outside of basketball. And, uh, you know, he was proud to say he's, he, he you're going to learn the game of life through Notre Dame and Notre Dame basketball. And, and that was very true. And then fortunate, as you mentioned, to tap into that Notre Dame network that's well represented in the Chicago market. Um, you know, you've got uh, Brooks Boyer at the White Sox. You've got Crane Kenny at the Cubs. You've got Ted Phillips at the Bears. Uh, you know, and the list goes on and on of people that are, you know, come through the Notre Dame ranks, well represented. John Paxson at the Bulls. You know, a lot of great Notre Dame representation across the Chicago sports landscape. So, um, you know, call, calling on a lot of those people um, as I got started in my career. And, um, and, you know, I'm a big believer, Chris, and this sounds a little cachet, or I'm, I'm sorry, cliche or fundamental, but, uh, you know, what I, I always tell people that uh, are interviewing for a job with me or when I go out and speak to undergrad or graduate students is I think it comes down to three fundamentals. Number one, you've got to have a positive attitude. Life is a roller coaster ride of highs and lows, and you can't get too high with the highs or too low with the lows. And in the throes of an intense event weekend, as we're heading into in a couple weeks at Chicagoland Speedway, you're going to be challenged with some tough moments, and a positive attitude is what's going to get you through that. And so I like to surround myself with people who effuse positive energy. Mm-hmm. And, and I try, I'm a guy that views the glass as half full. So 
that's one of my, you know, big kind of tenets of life. The second one is you have to have an impeccable work ethic. When you sign up again for a career in sports, you're working nights, weekends, long hours. And, you know, I, I think laziness is just an, uh, one of the most egregious sins you can have. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and if you've got a strong work ethic and a positive attitude, that'll take you so far. And the last one is you've got to have good interpersonal skills. Uh, you've got to know how to interact well with others. Doesn't matter how smart you are, doesn't matter how hard you work, if you don't have good fundamental interpersonal skills, you're gonna be hard pressed. What I tell our folks is we, we spend more time with one another in the workplace yeah. than we do with our families at home. So it behooves all of us to get along well with each other and have mutual respect for one another. And so to me, it's really that simple. In, in, in sports, in business, in life, a positive attitude and impeccable work ethic and good interpersonal skills will take you a very long way. And how did you, like a combo, a little bit of thinking back to, I guess I'd, I'd say, you know, picturing little Scotty P in, in Florida as a kid, uh, you know, were there times that, uh, or were you blessed with that, you you know, you had a, as they would say, high motor and, and some of those things, or do you need to take a little kick in the pants, or can some of it be chalked up that, good genetics and you know i could see as a hey i'm you know look at me i'm six eight i'm going to go to notre dame i don't have yeah. to go finish out my yeah. classes yeah. right it's yeah. well my, my dad ran his own business and he mm -hmm. was pretty much a one-man show so i just learned a lot of great life lessons just through observing the work ethic that he had and the way that he dealt with and interacted with people i had an older brother who was a very accomplished uh football player and he got recruited by everybody coming out of high school ended up playing for duke mm -hmm. so there was a little bit of that um competitive nature there mm -hmm. watching my big brother seeing the success he had on the football gridiron uh he excelled in the classroom too so i wanted to you know follow in his footsteps and 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 you know we had a healthy competition going back and forth so i was always driven to succeed you know failure was never an option in mm -hmm. my world so and then, and then but that I, was more by leading by example, probably with both of them, yeah. as much as anything, right? right. It wasn't, this wasn't, uh, um, you know, evil sports dad that was, you know, barking down your throat to no. move. It no. was more showing you rather than telling you, right. which often has more impact. It so, does, yeah. it does. So, and then you learn so many valuable lessons through through sports in life. And I, I'm fortunate; I coach both of my daughters' travel basketball teams, so. Uh, you know, it's very gratifying to be able to give back. And I tell them, even if you don't play at the high school or college level or professional level, you're still going to learn a lot of valuable life lessons, teamwork, sacrifice, discipline, hard work, following a game plan, um, deferring to others at times, you know, the respect that comes and the camaraderie that comes working within the con confines of a team. All of those things are really a metaphor for life and for business. So, mm -hmm. and you know, when I was at Gatorade, we we rarely hired anyone that didn't have some type of an athletic sports background, mm -hmm. because we knew, in large part, what we were getting, um, and, and we were getting someone that was driven and someone who possessed all those characteristics yeah. I just mentioned: teamwork and and getting you know getting along with others, having the good attitude, the work mm -hmm. ethic. Yeah, that's I've done the same thing. That if you've got two. Mm -hmm. Candidates that are similar, if they have got that kind of ba the athletic background, competing through college, particularly, uh, I I definitely hold that 
uh, held them a much higher regard. You did, you did about, or worked, did, that sounds like you're in, in, <laughs> in uh, incarcerated or something. <laughs> uh, Not yet. Yeah. You were with Gatorade for about 12 years, and then you ended up at the, the Speedway. You've been there now since the beginning of 2011. Uh, you know, how has it been different being, instead of being on the brand side at Gatorade, now you're part of, if folks don't realize, you know, uh, Chicagoland is, is a part of, ISC, International Speedway mm-hmm. Corp, that's the folks that also own Daytona and, you know, 20 or so other tracks it is, right? Mm-hmm. That, uh, how has that changed being a part of that different type of an organization that's driven more on, you know, the, the large, particularly the, the, the big cup events and mm-hmm. things? Did you have to, uh, in ways, rewire yourself or... You know, what was a, a big surprise and what was maybe, I don't want to be at all be about negative, especially to a positive guy, but, you know, what was a pleasant surprise, too, when you came over that you thought, oh, this might be something I run into trouble with? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I enjoyed a, a wonderful 12 years at tenure at Gatorade. Uh, the next logical, I was running a large department at the time, $120 million sports marketing budget. The next logical move for me was to really run a business and to develop those general management type of skills. And if I stayed at PepsiCo, that could have very much led me to a brand that would have taken me away from sports. And I knew I wanted to stay in sports. So, and I'd spent my career up at that point on the agency and brand side. I'd never been on the franchise or property side of the sports industry. And so this was really, I, th- I think, part of a well-thought-out plan, and it turned out to be that, to now get that experience. So as I look back, I, I believe I've acquired a pretty holistic, broad set of skills now on the agency, well, starting as an athlete, yeah. but then on the agency, brand, and now property side. And this role, Chris, has really complemented everything I learned at Gatorade. Sports marketing, brand marketing, advertising, PR, product innovation, now with things you learn that are unique to the property side of the industry, dealing with the media, dealing with the political community, learning operational aspects of running a facility, ticket pricing architecture, selling sponsorship, the guest experience. So now all of those collectively have really kind of created, I think, a very, again, well-rounded marketer and manager, so to speak. So it's been everything I hope for and more. And what I also love about this role is Coming from a big Fortune 50 company at PepsiCo, I'm right in the middle ground now. It's it's a very entrepreneurial model at International Speedway Corporation where, Scott, you're running the business out there in Chicago, and if you want to bring in a concert or musical event, you do it. You want to bring in another race event, an endurance event, do it. You you just are accountable on the P&L, on the financial side. So there's that sense of independence and entrepreneurialism and creativity, but at the same time, you don't feel like you're on an island. Yeah. You're backed by the resources of a company that's got a $1.6 billion market capitalization. So you've got access to great resources, whether it's HR, information technology, creative services, capital to be able to keep our facilities relevant and fresh. You know, Chris, the at-home viewing experience has become so compelling now that in our business we have to work harder than ever to keep our facilities updated and fresh so that the consumer, when they show up, they get all the benefits of the live event experience, that emotional connection that you just can't get from your living room couch, complemented by all of the great technology yeah. that you get at modern-day sporting facilities. Well, you so you don't have through, to make that trade-off. Yeah, you went through that as a company with Daytona, Daytona Rising, as it was called there the last few years. And 
the you talk about financial resources that needed a lot of financial resources. I think that was into the hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and I've seen that I'm, I'm drawing a blank on right now, but I think I've seen two other tracks that are going to be undergoing the renovations. And yeah. it's probably soon enough it'll be Chicagoland's turn. And that's good to have that to, like you said, keep it fresh mm-hmm. and engaging. You know, we've seen the sport itself too has bounced back from, well, a lot of just like the economy and other things has kind of bounced back and come back up and selling out, I believe it was last year and tracking close to that again this year right now. So the sport seems to be pretty strong. You're going to be moving to the summer next year, right? And there's it's great to be the playoff kickoff, but you're then moving away from Bears, and well, it's nice to have the Cubs as a Cubs fan in the play, playoff hunt and things like that. You won't have that conflict. So I'm assuming there's there's a quite a few things maybe on the, more on the pro side than the con side. What what ha- what happened with that? Is that something you actually pushed for? Yeah. What Tell us a little bit about what's shaking out with that. Sure, great question. So uh, the first 10 years of our history, we were a summer race mm-hmm. and had a tremendous amount of success with that. NASCAR wanted to give the start of their playoffs a big platform, a big stage, and they felt what better market to do that than one like Chicago where big events become even bigger and you've got access to tremendous resources. And we, we were thrilled with that, and we love that. And kicking off NASCAR's playoffs, as I like to say, the start of the playoffs for one of the most watched and followed sports in America, a lot of cachet that comes with that. And we were thrilled with that. But when the opportunity presented itself, um, not only to move back to the summer, but what was really intriguing to us is the first half of the NASCAR broadcast season is on Fox. The second half is on NBC. And the spot that um, we wanted to go after was that kickoff race yeah. on NBC. Because as we've seen with how they've done it in Daytona with the summer race, they promote it on all of their marquee programming. In Olympic years, on the Olympics, uh, the Triple Crown, the Stanley Cup, huge promotional platform, the return of NASCAR on NBC at Chicagoland Speedway. So, And then to your point, you know, not going up against the NFL, we certainly held our own. But just by virtue of this move alone back to summer, we will um, increase our viewership by about a million and a half viewers by not competing against the NFL. So imagine that message to your sponsors. You know, the rating's going to go up a point, you know, million and a half more viewers. That's a powerful message. So if you're going to do, this is a very crowded sports and entertainment marketplace, but if you're going to do anything, summer's typically a good time to do it. No Bears, no Bulls, no Blackhawks regular season baseball, it's a good time to really kind of break out. And so the return to summer that was something that was very attractive to us. And is it going to be, did it, am I remembering it right, would it would be around the 4th of July weekend? Yes. Yeah, so, so it's late June and then the cup race is July 1st. So oh, just okay. So falls, leading just into before that. Okay. the 4th right. of July weekend. That's good. Yep. That's a good time of year usually around here weather-wise and everything else too. Yes. So, and after school is out. But uh, allowing, um, you know, and I think what's interesting, too, along those lines, I was just thinking of that, you know, we don't think of here sometimes in Chicago uh, that, uh, you know, downstate folks, the September is time that they may have to be working, right? (laughs) And I mean, I think that I've heard that that sometimes that affected some numbers of... They, they much preferred it being in you know, that June, July time. Absolutely. So. Yeah, September's harvest season. A lot of farmers, Illinois is a big agricultural state, and that's harvesting season. So moving back to the summer will really resonate well with that audience. Now, you've 
you're somebody I wanted to have on um, for just your background and and I love the distilling of the the positive attitude primarily there is is part of it. It's always enjoyable to have a conversation with you. Uh, you've also bent over backwards for me personally in the networking space. I remember you know you didn't know me from anybody and made time for me years ago and gave some great advice. You know, how do you these days? I'm sure you're in speaking to you're going around to colleges and and grad programs uh, and well as just you know business groups and all. When somebody's saying that you know, how do I get your job or you know what's a, a good way to break into the business? What's advice that you give now because things are very different between technology and everything else than when you and yeah. I were starting? Mm-hmm. What's what's some pieces of advice that you give besides the big three about positive work ethic and and the interpersonal skills? Sure. You know, the good news is, well, while it is a very competitive sports industry, as you know, to break into, Chris, because a lot of people want to get into our field, uh, think about current day versus when you and I were coming up through the ranks. Uh, there, there was no WNBA. There was no Major League Soccer back then. Colleges weren't the sophisticated marketers they were now. And so there's so many more opportunities to get into sports, not only on the property side, but more and more businesses are using sports as a piece of their overall marketing mix. So that's required that corporate entities bring on agency resources, so agencies are hiring personnel and sports. So the point is there's so many more opportunities now than ever before, that's the good news. And what I tell people is, um, you know, don't worry if you don't know what your dream job is right now, early on in your career getting out of school. And don't even worry if you don't know what your dream job is, your second job. At some point along your career journey, the light bulb's going to go on and you're going to know what that dream job is. And what's important, I think, from that moment on is to either take a job that will better position you for that dream job or acquire a skill that'll better prepare you for that dream job. And, you know, there's nothing better than waking up in the morning and being invigorated on by what you're going to be doing for the next eight to 10 hours. So I got a great piece of advice from a marketing and advertising professor at Notre Dame who said, remember, what's important early on in your career is what you learn, not what you earn. <laughs> and so I think that's good advice for people, maybe perhaps not to be motivated by money, but rather be motivated by you know, pursuing something that you're going to love and something that you're going to learn from each and every day. Uh, because, uh, again, there's no better feeling than waking up in the morning and looking forward to what you're going to be doing for the next 8 to 10 hours. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Um, what's If somebody wants to uh, you know, figure out, uh, right now it's so close to the race that you know there may be some kind of volunteer or other kind of opportunities that you could touch on, but for somebody that's looking... You know, they're. I want to get in. I know is now not now is not a good time. What what kind of people are you looking for? What kind of traits? What's advice for how do they find opportunities mm-hmm. with a place like Chicago Land yeah. Speedway? What do you tell folks about that? Well, in sports now, it's really through internships, and I think the good news is now when <laughs> I think when you and I were doing internships, they were unpaid. Now, typically, they're they're paid internships, which is which is the good news. And there's no better way than to make a mark for yourself. We'll bring in anywhere from four to six interns during the season. And we've had plenty of examples of those turning into full-time positions because you've got a known commodity now. You know how people um, integrate culturally into the organization. You know what kind of skill set or work ethic they're going to have. 
I think the Chicago Bulls do the same thing. They bring in, I believe, 20 different group selling sellers. Right. And uh, the, the couple that rise to the, the top of the mountain by the end of the season get hired into a full-time yeah. role. So internships, and, and those are very you know frequent out there. You know, Everybody typically offers them in our business. So that's the advice that I give. And just put yourself in a position where you're, we have publications like the Sports Business Journal that can help you understand as a young person what's going on in the sports industry. You launched a great organization several years ago called Painless Networking. That's a great uh, non-pressure packed environment to be able to go and meet people. And I think what you find in our industry too is most people, um, when I get a phone call, even if it's not from a Notre Dame student, (laughs) but when I get a phone call from a young person that is looking for career advice or looking to get together, I I would feel very guilty if I didn't return that call and or get together with that individual because I remember when I was in their shoes and boy, how grateful I was when somebody in an executive type of position carved out some time for me to talk to me, to give me some career advice to get together with, maybe to connect me with someone to open a door. And so now it's about paying that back, you know? And so I know you do that. And and I think most people in our industry feel that same way. And, you know, boy, if you can't make a a modest amount of time in a day to help a young person as they're launching their start of their career, shame on you. Yeah. Yes, of course. I I agree with you on that. And I think it's important that it goes back a little bit to the interpersonal skills of just being somebody trying to get in. Uh, either starting or maybe you're you know you've been trying to break into sports or realize that's what you want to do and you've got a whole bunch of experience but just being able to communicate that too and like why do you want to meet with me if i have someone communicate to me you know here's my resume do you have any job idea like okay well with what i what do i even go with this how do i even help you and no it's not my job to find you a job understanding that person uh, if it's you or me is happy to to dispense some advice but maybe you come with a few specific requests or questions or, you know, parameters of what you're looking to do. That's the other piece of that that I would advise people yes. to, to be thinking of because uh, you have to be cognizant of, you know, it's, you know, you've got your race coming up in two weeks. And what did we talk about today? You went from you three different interviews and speaking to a couple different groups, just all bang, 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 bang today to even find five or 10 minutes to call couple people back is difficult. Mm -hmm. So be cognizant of people's time. All right, I got to get off my soapbox. Uh, (laughs) You got me fired up. But some great great advice. The other thing that I, I like to do with the people that I talk to here would be you know, besides giving back as a as a mentor or just doing some networking, are there other things that you do either, you know, well, kind of be intermingled both professionally, personally, are there other things that the track would be doing you'd want to talk about or other things you're involved with that are organizations that you'd like to make make known, draw more eyeballs and well in this case more ears to know about? Yeah, sure. I appreciate that. Well I'm I'm uh, very fortunate to be on the board of the Illinois Special Olympics. And uh, just came from an event earlier today where uh, next year, believe it or not, next summer, July 2018, is the 50-year anniversary yeah. of National Special Olympics. Uh-huh. And believe it or not, it started just a couple miles here in yep. Soldier Field by Eunice Kennedy Shriver and the, and, the, and the Kennedy family. And it's remarkable to see how that organization has grown and just how it provides opportunities for intellectually uh, challenged people to be able to... Um, to be able to compete, you know, in a fun atmosphere. 
and to develop self-confidence. Yeah. I, I, I hear so many stories about how these athletes were introverted and in uh-huh. their shell and didn't have confidence. And through Special Olympics and, and their competition, the com- camaraderie that comes with that, they've become a whole new person and a confident individual. So it's so gratifying to be involved in an organization yeah. like that. Well, and it's you see that and you're, you think, oh, of course, and this is so amazing to see, but that's another one you think back to 50 years ago when she started it. It was just like, no, no, we, those, those people, they, they can't handle it or this is not for them or this yeah. wouldn't be good. And she fought and look at what it's done, the, the millions and millions and the, the impact not only on those the athletes is amazing, but the people that watch, the family members, the, I mean, it's, it is incredible. So that's cool. I did not realize you were involved at that yeah. level with those guys. It's, it's some great yeah. folks there and some great work. And, and another thing, yeah. go closer to home at the Speedway, very proud of a program we do, um, you know, is the state of Illinois' largest single-day spectating or sporting event. You can imagine the need we have for event staff. And we'll have over a 1,000 individuals working the event during the weekend, many of whom are volunteering their time on behalf of a charitable organization they represent. It could be uh, Kiwanis, could be Rotary, could be a church organization, could be Special Olympics, could be um, they're the parent of uh, a child who competes on a high school dance team looking to raise money for their season. And so they come and they volunteer their time at our events in a variety of capacities. Could be ushers, parking attendants, concession attendants, um, informational booth attendants, you name it, uh, driving our 88 golf cart transport, yeah. you name it. And, um, and they're raising money for their organization. And we gave back a quarter of a million dollars to those types of organizations last year. And that's game-changing kind of money for those and, groups. And it's really unique within kind of NASCAR and motorsports. I don't know too many other sports entities that have a program like that. We're very, very proud of that. And folks can learn more at chicagolandspeedway.com if they're interested in getting their organization involved with that in 2018. So, but uh, And pretty cool program. Yeah, oh, no, that's great. And I think that's a that's the spot to direct people, not for information, they're volunteering, they're interested in career, they're interested in tickets. Yeah. They can get all that through chicagolandspeedway.com, right? You got it. Well, how do we do? Do we, we get everything covered? Do I, do I leave anything else on the tip of your tongue? I cut you off anywhere? No, that was great. I appreciate it. I appreciate, you know... You know, I, I love the fact that we talked about how a young person can get started in their career because, you know, advice like that is valuable. And we're parents of, of kids who will be college graduates someday looking to get into the workforce. Yeah. And boy, wouldn't it be nice if somebody took the time to share some career advice and counsel with them, help them launch their career. So hopefully, uh, you know, may, maybe there's some kernels of wisdom that I was able to share with some young there folks were. that they'll pick up on I promise listening to the were. podcast. Thanks, uh, Scott. This was really great. I've been super busy with the uh, Get It In One More Time that the big event at Chicagoland Speedway, including the uh, NASCAR Monster Cup race, which is, of course, the Tales of the Turtles 400 on September 17th. But all that activity all week, September 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th at Chicagoland Speedway. Check it out at chicagolandspeedway.com. Scott, thanks. Really appreciate you stopping by. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Chris. And good luck at the race. Well, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Scott. As he reminds us, stay positive, have a great work ethic, and work on those interpersonal skills, and things will go your way. Check out www.chicagolandspeedway.com for all the info on what's going on in Joliet next week, the 14th through 17th. If you're looking to apply, volunteer, scroll to the bottom of the site and click on Join Our Team. 
All right. Speaking of career opportunities, don't forget to go to www.ncsasports.org to find out how you can join the world's largest, most successful collegiate athletic recruiting network. Just go to ncsasports.org, scroll to that box at the bottom, and click careers. They're hiring now. All right. Finally, make sure you check out our sister pod on the Painless Podcast Network, The Fadeaway with Dion and Eric. It's in the Painless Podcast feed. Tomorrow's will be very interesting for you Illini fans in particular. Longtime Illini assistant and longtime UIC head coach, Jimmy Collins. Check it out. Until next time, though, it's Chris Hartwig saying, stay connected, friends.